coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. So let's see here. I'm a minority. Yes, you're a minority. You're the white guy is the minority. So we're going to get it How's going. that hat feel? <laughs> well, I, I start off by saying I love to hang around good-looking black men. That usually starts the conversation. I'm still not sure what you guys are talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ostrich skin and... All yeah. this stuff is 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 karma. We didn't have any of that. You didn't have any of that. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black. And there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill. One. You got to have one. A nope. token black person? A token and there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we come to you just saying thank you for all your many blessings, God. God, thank you for the good, the bad, the sunshine and the rain. God, just thank you for our guest today. Our guest today will enlighten so many people, God. His story is amazing. But in the middle of all the amazing is you. You take the credit. He gives you the credit, God, and the glory. So for that, we say thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we lift up our guest today, Richard Yergin. Uh, his testimony and how you've uh, been involved in his life, both good and bad. And uh, Lord, we look forward to hearing his story that you've written in his life and his faithfulness to you. Amen. Dear God, please show me how to put your words into practice today. Align my heart with your heart and my thoughts with your thoughts. Show me how to draw near to you in every area of my life and make me eager to obey your commands your teachings in Jesus' name i pray let us share amen 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 richard welcome to the show thank you for having me and i appreciate uh, it we we uh, found out about you through a mutual friend uh joe guest guest and uh, he was on the show a couple weeks ago and we asked him uh, would he have a recommendation of someone and boy he didn't hesitate he gave us your name and then he hooked us up. So I think we want to start out with uh, your relationship with Joe and how that started. And then uh, we'd like to go into your story. Well, wait a minute now. Now, wait a minute, Bill. I get it. And and Richard, thank you. But Richard, this is Odell here, better known as the good looking black man. But, you know, Richard, you, you, you're the first black man on the show. So I'm going to give you I'm going I'm to I'm give it to you. You're the good looking young black man on the show today, Richard. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I guess you're. 
your grandmother, Margaret, would be proud. I know she got you to write your stories every day when you came home from school. Man, you are just blessed, my brother. So, you are blessed. So let's see here. I'm a minority. <laughs> yes, you're a minority. You're the white guy is the minority. So we're going to go that, ahead and get how's it How's that Hatfield? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of show I can get behind and, and, and I can really talk my talk. And I'm at the front door today. Usually I come through the back door real quiet because that's how it is in life as a black man. But as a black man today, I'm, I'm at your door. I'm knocking. I'm at the front door today. Hmm. Well, we're giving you the keys, my brother. So you just go ahead and do what the Lord have on your heart. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Go ahead and explain your relationship with Joe and how that started. By the way, folks, uh, Joe is uh, the president of GE Ultrasound which is an $800 million business. And uh, somehow their two lives got connected and now they're good friends. In fact, he's going to go to dinner tonight with them. Uh, it's Joe's birthday. So if Joe, you're listening to this. Happy birthday. It'll be belated because it'll be after, but happy birthday. That's my guy. Um, I'll be candid. You know, Joe and I, we connected at an event about say three or four years ago in 2019. It was, uh, I believe, about March or April. I had been on a job search, um, you know, post my playing career at Clemson uh, with a couple of corporate companies such as Cisco, Google. Nobody hired me. You know, I was going through the processes with, you know, no corporate background really other than, you know, uh, maybe one or two family members in my family, uh, my brother and my older cousin that, you know, worked at State Farm for some years. But other than that, you know, just a raw, you know, young African-American male with education behind him, but not a whole, whole lot of experience and exposure to the corporate life other than some micro internship opportunities and, um, you know, some opportunities that uh, were afforded to me, you know, at the price of the Clemson Paul, you know, and so, now coming out into the real world, right? That doesn't matter. Your identity is not hidden behind a logo. You got to stand on your own when you walk in these corporate companies. And um, I was just lucky that the connection between Joe and I stayed up under the paw. Um, you know, Joe interviewed me um, along with two other members of the GE team um, for an inside sales position in Milwaukee. And I didn't even realize that's what I was walking into, but we were introduced through a program at Clemson University called Paul Journey, which essentially prepares you for the fifth quarter of your life, for the next chapter, you know, of your life. And so Joe had become a member. Um, and like I said, he was he was interviewing me and right away we connected, but we didn't realize why we connected until after the connection had already been made that he wanted to hire me through that process. And, um, you know, we're connected at the heart because we're both affiliated with a sacred um, fraternity together here at Clemson that draws us even more closer to one another. And if I had to categorize people that I would lay in traffic for, which would not be anyone other than the lovely mother of my children, my son, my father, my to-be daughter, my brother, my mother my mother-in-law, my aunt, and maybe a few cousins and some family members, I'd add Joe into that mixture 
of people hmm. and say, I lay in traffic for Joe. Wow. It's saying something. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we talk a lot on this show, Common Ground, about black, white. And out of all those people you just listed, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Joe was the only white person in that number. No, there's other, there's other white individuals. Um, but, you know, what's funny is I don't even categorize it as white or black. Joe is a guy to me. Like, when you talk about that guy, like from top to bottom, how he carry himself, somebody that I try my hardest to emulate, but I probably fall short. Joe is the guy. I, I can understand that because Bill is that guy for me. Mm. Bill Goble mm. is that guy. And out of our friendship, out of our relationship, out of our shared belief and our love for each other. Um, wow. Wow, this, this, your story is so powerful. Yeah. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to this, I'm thinking you know, there's a man that stepped out and stepped into your life and has changed it forever. And um, Absolutely. I think we'd encourage all of our listeners to find that one person uh, and step into their life and make that difference. And it's not catch and release. Bill, explain catch and release to our friend Richard. Well, when you go fishing, uh, a lot of times you go fishing and you catch the fish and you release it. But uh, I don't that uh, that that's that doesn't describe a friendship. A friendship like with you and Joe, he caught you, but he didn't release you. He kept you, and he kept you forever. So uh, he's not a catch and release friend. He's a real friend. He's a life jacket. Yes, he is. You know, yes, he is. So go a lot ahead. Of people they don't understand that meaning or that terminology life jacket is is way bigger than just being a buddy or being somebody's friend like a life jacket is somebody that you know you you can't put a price tag on the value of the relationship between you all because there is no value it's loyalty and that's it amen well said well said well, I think I think we'd like to switch gears here a little bit and talk about your football experience and your auto accident and how that changed your life and then uh, how God stepped in at a later date and uh, tell us tell us your story. So from beginning, there was a young boy named Richard Jurgen, the third son of Janice Jurgen. Richard Jurgen Sr., brother to Richard Jurgen Jr., grandson to Margaret and Willie Jurgen, and grandson to Dorothy Corbett, nephew to many, friend to many, associate to many, family member to many. But I served one God from the time that I was in the third grade. Mm -hmm. And the death of Margaret Jurgen was the death of a very important part of my life that was no longer there. So I, the only way that I could fill that void was through the love of God that she had instilled in me. And so when I made that decision to get saved in the third grade, I didn't know that the fight was really just starting, right? I thought the fight was going to get easier on that faith walk. And, um, you know, that young boy that grew up as... Odell mentioned, Bill, he mentioned 
growing up writing, enjoying being passionate about life, being loved on, turned into a hardened young man that, you know, got involved with some pretty mischievous stuff at a young age. You know, whether that be hanging out with the wrong crowd, getting into girls, a little bit of drugs, whatever the case may be at that time when I was younger, I was just getting into stuff. I was real curious. And, um, you know, to me, the one thing that realigned me again and again was I always knew my grandmother was watching me. That was like the one thing that I was scared of letting down at the end of the day. And so as, you know, I, I began to turn the page and had an opportunity to better my life and to move past some of the transgressions that I had grown up around, some of the environmental um, hardships that had taken place within my home, you know, facing adversity at a young age as a young man with, you know, a mother and a father who did all that they can do to put me in the best position to succeed more or less beyond what I could see that I'm forever indebted to and thankful for. You know, I'll never forget my dad growing up, man. Like I watched my dad go through so much pain, losing, you know, his father, his mother, his closest brother, his oldest brother, and just feeling alone. And just watching him going through that process, man, just, just the, just the pain I sat there with with my dad, while he, you know, dealt with some, 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 some demons in his closet, and some things that, you know, that that stuff transfers to your kid, right? And, um, you know, just watching the strength that he displayed through resiliency man like whether it was facing the incarceration or you know facing cancer you know facing all that death and just battling all those strongholds while you know trying to hold it down in the middle of a recession you know we're losing properties things are getting foreclosed on them having to get lawyered up you know just so many different modes that we went through that nobody will ever know about right you know, my brother's in college as a walk-on at South Carolina State trying to make the team, hoping that, you know, me and my father would come up and visit him for his games. But you know, my father was technically not allowed to leave the state at that time because of some legal issues at the time. And so I remember me and my dad, we got so close, man, we would ride up on the trains to see my brother because that was the only way that he could travel, um, you know, due to his circumstances and his situation. And there was one time when we was on this train ride and I was about, you know, six or seven and I went to go buy something on the train from the, you know, the um, person that basically sells snacks or whatever, you know, on the train back then when you're traveling long distance and a guy, robbed me for five dollars the older guy it's about i don't know 30 or so and he said hey kid you know give me the money 
just took it from me. And I went to tell my father what had happened. And my father responded to me and said, son, it's something I can't get involved with because of my situation, you know, my parole officer. And, um, you know, I, but my dad got up anyways and he went after the dude and found him and got the money. It was like, I realized right then and there, like my dad really loved me. Like he would go to the nth degree, even if that mean risking his freedom to protect his manhood in front of his son. And like, nobody knows that story that wasn't supposed to come out until, you know, the book. But when I talk about my dad, man, like, I don't really go deep into it because our relationship got so many levels to it. Like, even now today as a grown man, but, you know, as a kid, like watching my dad go through those obstacles and like handle himself the way he did and deal with his own self the way he did, that pain turned into strength. And nobody could stop you. And so when my father came to me and said, son, I want a different life for you. I want you to be able to change and, you know, get in a new environment, get from around your friends in the neighborhood because they're not going to end up being nothing like you are. You know, that really changed and shaped my perspective, right? You know, when he put me in a position to go to a private school that we couldn't even afford, but figured out a way, you know, to get me in and, um, to make me appreciate the new soil that I was being brought up in um, because of where I was coming from. And to get into an environment now where I was the minority amongst the majority and I didn't have as much as the kids around me had, it made me hungry because I knew that the socioeconomic, racial, religious, whatever indifferences that I was faced with, I wasn't going to let that determine my success rate in that environment. If I was going to succeed in that environment, it was going to be because I'm going to isolate myself and get in my own head, just like I watched my dad do through all the obstacles and circumstances that he was faced with. And I'm going to internalize my game plan to navigate the situation so well, like a smooth criminal, that I will come out top of my class academically i will be the top ranked player in the country i have every college offer and everybody will know my name in four years and that's what i did came a u.s army all-american watkins award finalist for top five african-american scholars in the world really in the u.s graduated with a 4.5 gpa and decided to go to Clemson University right before signing day after decommitting from Notre Dame and turning down University of Florida. Telling the University of Texas, I'm okay. Tell all these colleges, go away. This is where I'm going. I'm going to Clemson. And um, the best decision of my life, right? At 17 years old, full of life ready to go make an impact in Death Valley, you know, after an illustrious high school career. But it's just one thing that you don't take into consideration. You got to restart the process all over again, right? You got to compete your way from the bottom to the top. And so as I arrived in Clemson as a freshman, 
And I'm looking left to right. I'm like, they're talking all these percentage numbers about who going to make it to the NFL, the 1%, 2%. I said, well, I'm in that 1%. <laughs> you ain't seeing me. You don't know where I'm from. I'm from the bottom. Mm. And I'm going to get what's mine's type of mentality from day one when I showed up. 205. Six three with no idea that there's a young man named Vic Beasley starting defensive ends, be a first rounder. And after him is Shaq Lawson. And after him is probably another guy, another guy, you know, you gotta wait your turn, bruh. It's a bunch of dudes that think the same way that you think. So you need to realign yourself with a purpose that's bigger than football. Amen. And that's kind of what I had to do, right? Is like I had to realize, okay, I'm a definitely red shirt. I'm not going to play, you know, as a freshman. And how am I going to deal with that? I didn't deal with it well at first. The bottle was my friend as a freshman. And the bottle got me into some stuff my freshman year. And I had to learn from that. And, you know, seek counseling go through a program of, you know, cleansing myself and re-solidifying my faith, you know, talk about running your race to win. I was running my race to lose initially because I never imagined myself having to wait my turn. Hmm. Right. And so I went through my freshman year, you know, a lot of trials, tribulations, ups and downs. And it was finally my turn, fast forward, going into my junior year. Getting ready to graduate, got an agent picked out. And I'm trying to hit the league. I'm that 1% now. It's my time. Mm. Wrong. It's God's time, though. June 3rd, 2017, approximately 4.15 p.m. I'm riding, cruising through the city of Greenville. Whole life changing, shatters in an instance. All my dreams, my futuristic talks about, you know, what I was going to do, how I was going to you know, provide for my family now and put myself in a position where I'm, I'm that guy now. Guy's like, nah, you need some more work. You're not ready. So the accident happened. It's a rollover. Simple as put, hydroplane. Broken neck in three, four different places. Loss of conscience. Fighting for my life. Did not see that coming. Totally blindsided me. Like when Joe Mixon tried to hit me my freshman year in the Orange Bowl, and I let him know what's up. Tried to blindside me. But this blindside, this crack back, this cracked my head down to the white meat. Mm. Literally. Mm. And, um, you know, it brought me to a, a place where I'd never been before. Unfamiliar, uncharted territory. Place called On Your Knees. Begging, please, Lord, help me. Put me back together because I'm broken. 
a tough place to be as a young man at 21, wanting to live his life and get out and express himself as macho. And now you're in a place of submission and repentance, literally on your knees, asking God, please, God, please pick me back up and let me walk. Pick me back up and let me live a normal life with full functionality throughout my body. When you was just screaming, nobody can't stop me. I'm going straight to the NFL. I got this six pack. I'm 250, 255. I'm rocked up. I waited my time, but it still was on God's time. You know, the word says, <laughs> I was reading today in the holiness of God. They do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I didn't know that Revelation 4.8, God said he'll save you through it, not from it, right? Right. And the best is yet to come. So fast forward through my whole process of recovery for two years of gruesome physical therapy where I wanted to quit moments where, you know, my body just would not respond the way I wanted it to or the way it used to moments when I questioned my faith and my own sense of self and what my purpose was. I continuously had to realign myself with his thoughts and his heart and not my own thoughts and my own heart. And at that time, I realized, man, football might really be over for me, right? Everything I once wanted, once wanted to do was no longer relevant. It was irrelevant now. So fast forward to the opportunity to play at Boston College. It came of no surprise that you know, after two years, God had finally granted me his will because I accepted his consequences and his fate. And that's the one thing that I didn't realize throughout the whole process was that God was trying to get me to accept his will, not my will, his timing, not my timing, his thoughts, not my thoughts. Submit and make all your plans known to me and I will, I'll give you the world. I'll give you, the, I'll give it to you in abundance is what he said in his word. And the opportunity to play at Boston College came in abundance for me, you know, knowing that I was going to have a chance to go into a new market, um, have a fresh start because, you know, it was frustrating after sitting around for two years and, you know, being a part of a program that was having a lot of success that you weren't able to take part in on the field and feeling like you were an afterthought after a while, right? And, you know, all credit to Coach Sweeney in terms of, you know, providing me with a wonderful platform and everything at Clemson. But it was bigger than that for me. It was a business decision to realign myself with my destiny and my purpose. And after having completed my undergrad in business and communications and my first master's in healthcare, or excuse me, in uh, athletic administration, and going now to receive my second master's in healthcare administration at Boston College, it was bigger than just football. It was a market that I can tap into and, a, and an opportunity for me to grow as a young professional, personally, and definitely athletically. 
So you look at all three points and aspects, and that's a complete man. Oh, and it's a Jesuit Catholic school, so I get to grow in my faith. So why not? Wow. You know? Wow. You know, it's interesting that you said something. When you, the question that many of our listening audience may be asking, Odell, why did Richard leave Clemson and put himself in the transfer portal and end up at Boston College where you won the 2019 Brian Piccolo Award? for the ACC's most courageous player. And you were stated that you bend, but you don't fold and all the success you had. And, you know, it's interesting that my sister, my baby sister got killed in a car accident, very similar to yours where, and it's hard to even talk about it now after 27 years, where you're driving down the road and you hit that construction, where it's construction in the highways and anybody who knew anything about South Carolina know there's always construction going on. And then it was raining. So they hydroplaned it also and caught one of those trees and she died. And I remember getting that phone call. And that's one of the books that I'm writing. It's titled, You Left Without Saying Goodbye. You know, and your story, when I was preparing for it, your story just just rang so true. And that's why I'm just so honored that you were a guest. And I knew your swag when I saw the ostrich skin steering wheel cover on the Honda. I'm like, okay, okay. That brother got swag because ostrich skin to a black man. You know, I remember when I was younger, it's like I had- gators. It's like gators. It's, like it's like your granddaddy with them gators. Exactly. And I remember when I was younger in corporate sales, I had ostrich skin shoes and a ostrich skin briefcase. Now you may be too young to know what a briefcase is, but my good buddy Bill, he definitely knows. I'm still not sure what you guys are talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> ostrich skin and all yeah. this stuff. Is 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 in Parma? We didn't have any of that. You didn't have any of that. But you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I met Dabble Sweeney once, Coach Dabble Sweeney once. He came up to speak at a um, a group I was a part of. Uh, Christian athletes. And I heard him speak and I'm like, wow, you know, now I'm, I'm a big South Carolina Gamecock fan, of course, but I'm not one of those Gamecock fans who I'm hate Clemson. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm not one of those Gamecock fans who hate Clemson. I want us to beat Clemson, which we really never beat Clemson in football, especially when you were playing there. But after you all beat us, now I'm pulling for Clemson. I want Clemson to win the national championship. I want Clemson to do well because I'm originally from Greenville, South Carolina. I understand the path you were traveling on down there, Honeyer Path, Abbeville, all those areas down there going to Anderson and going to, I understand that. And the thing I want to ask you, then I'm going to kick it back over to Bill, as a Black man, society, especially of an athlete, society te- uh, treats us a certain way when you are an athlete and you are good and they find a way to take us from certain neighborhoods and put us in private schools where on average you'd only are very few minorities in the school and find a way to pay for it and find a way to do all those things and a lot of times we get drunk and i'm talking about me on the applause we get drunk on the fans we get drunk on the accolades but when your eligibility stops or when the in my case basketball and the ball quits bouncing where they said Odell, you're a leader out there. Get the guys going. Or they say, Richard, you're a leader. But now you're in corporate America and corporate boardrooms, and no one sees you as a leader anymore. So help me understand, how did you handle that transfer from 
everybody loved you. Everybody loved number 49. You were the man. I mean, wherever you went, you were the man to when you got hurt. Maybe you wasn't as much as the man to other individuals. Can you explain that to us, please? Well, it all lays in understanding where your identity is, right? And that's what I was alluding to in the beginning. It's a lot of pressure when you put the paw in front of your man, right? And you make your man and your brand the same thing. Now, your man is classified through the spirit of Christ in the eyes of him who is able to cast out judgment upon thee. But when you allow your brand to become more important to your character, it talks about it in the Bible, you idolizing the wrong thing, right? And you putting yourself in spiritual warfare that's conflicting to the heart and to the mind. And that's a dangerous space to be in because a man with no purpose, a man with no depth, no ability to see beyond that, is a man that's destined for wicked things to come his way. And that's, that's exactly what happened to me for a little while. Um, you know, the partying, the, the enjoying the success a little bit more than embracing the hard work. It gets a little overwhelming to think about the long days when you think about the short moments where you had a lot of success, right? And it's so easy to oftentimes put yourself in situations where you're willing to risk everything that you work so hard for for a moment. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a saint. There's been plenty of nights and plenty of times where I've done that. But I've always come back to this state of repentance for my Lord and Savior to rebuild and to realign my character with him and to remove my brand or whatever it is that I'm associated with that can get in the way of that. Wow. It's powerful. Man, I tell you what, I'm just I'm just blown away here by your testimony and what God has done to you and for you. Um it's uh it's a powerful, powerful story. And I know you've been going around to other football teams and corporations, uh, spreading this message, sharing this testimony. Can you tell us a little about where you've been? Yes, sir. I've been to the number one staffing company at the beginning of the year when I launched my business, Richard Jurgen Enterprises, LLC. I spoke to Higher Dynamics, a good friend of mine, a good mentor, even better human being, Billy Milo, current CEO there, brought me in, met with his senior executive team. They loved me right away. And uh, I did a piece on opportunity versus obligations in life. It was a success. And then from there, I consulted privately for a little while with GE, with Joe. Got some leadership up under my belt with their leadership team there. And I had a bunch of opportunities open up to speak at high school, starting with my high school, Shamanah Madonna, where I spoke with them about my testimony from water to wine and God's time. And I spoke to Clemson's football team on brand development or brand enhancement versus character development for their fall camp finale. 
and I spoke in the Boston College football team about the same thing. I recently had an opportunity to go and speak up at Virginia Tech to their entire athletic senior staff and department of football, women's volleyball, all their sports teams about the process versus the progress in life, what that looks like. And I've done some other private consulting and management consulting with other entities, but just to name a few that I've spoke to this year, one in the quarter four, I think that's pretty solid. And if if folks want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? My email is CEO at Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Y-E-A-R-G-I-N dot com. My phone number is 954 area code, followed by 529-7999. Well, I tell you what, it's, it's just incredible story. I, 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 I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. You know, usually I, I have some pretty good comebacks, but uh, you know, clearly, clearly God has been instrumental in your life. Um, and, yes, yes. You know something? I think your grandma's doing some good stuff up in heaven about you. Oh yeah, she is. You describe yourself in a way as a nerd, meaning education is so important to you. Reading is so important writing and i just remember man coming from public housing i came from the project so i didn't have the blessing of Mm -hmm. a grandmother like your grandma margaret who every day you came she was an early childhood teacher and every day you came home she said okay write about what you learned today about your school today and you talked about how you had to format your papers and just the whole idea of writing I've, i've written five books now so i understand writing and i understand the power of the written word but how old were you when you were started writing and formatting papers, my friend? Uh, my grandmother had me doing that since I was like three years old. So ever since I can remember, our biggest thing was everything in life has its proper format. And you start with the heading on your paper. And, I, and that was reinforced in school. Um, the school I went to was a grade above learning um, school that my parents and my grandmother broke their back to send me to. Um, before I had to then go to public school um, at one of the most outrageous behavior-wise middle schools in in Broward County at the time. So that was that gave me the structure that I needed when going into that environment that was loose or wasn't as tight as what I had growing up. I was still able to sustain and make it to high school through that. Wow, that's powerful. You know, it's interesting. Bill, Bill, have a quick question for you, though, about you and Joe and all this kind of good stuff. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to talk to you about uh, what are you learning from Joe and uh, his mentorship to you through corporation? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, Joe had me read a series of books, but I'll share one with you. It's uh, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, right? And One of the things that you can't buy is influence. I mean, in politics, right, you can buy votes, you can buy people to like you, but in real life, your spirit of influence and the people that you impact and touch on a daily basis are your business cards. And in business, the only way to ascend up the ladder and grow your business is through bearing and sowing seeds to get the fruit and so Joe, you know, having seen his his ranking from climbing from the bottom of the ladder to the top of the ladder at GE, 
he definitely sowed a lot of seeds and I, I was a witness to it. And there's so much respect and love for him out there and admiration that it don't even make sense. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one that felt that same way and that other people got a chance to experience that too with him as they developed as vice presidents and leaders within the company that, you know, he, he worked his butt off to get to the top. When I look at the picture of you and your family, and you talked a lot about your father earlier, tell us about your relationship with your son. Well, you know, the relationship with my son, I call it expensive pain, right? And I call it expensive pain because the one thing I never want to do in my life is be cut out from my son's life. Wow. And so when I think about that in series, you can do anything to me, but go after my son. That's the one thing that's off limits. If I feel like he's threatened, or the mother of my children is threatened, or my daughter to come in a couple months is, is threatened, all character, everything goes out of the window. So that should tell you what I would do Got in it. my family. Wow. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. And just, I thought about something that was almost too painful when we were first talking, but now I just wanna just mention something to you. When my sister got killed in a car accident, we had to go to the, uh, I call it the junkyard for lack of a better term, to get her belongings out of the car. And I know you and your brother went to get your Honda and get your belongings out of the Honda. And your brother, listen, your brother, man, your brother just sounds like that dude. You know, I, I know yeah, you're really, the man. He really, he, really, he really is that dude. You got him. You got I him mean, right. Your he brother, really man, right. you are blessed. You know, your brother, man, he's just like, hey, 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 take this picture. And you're like, I don't want to take a picture. He said, no, no, no. And just tell your brother, man, that thank you. Because, you know, a lot of time in society, you don't always see strong black men with wisdom and understanding and sometimes we're uh portrayed in other ways but just your brother man just reading on how he helped you through all this and how you all depended on each other and even in the midst of the tragedy in the middle of the storm you picked up the phone and called your brothers like hey man you know and it's just i love it i love it i love it and just that picture you took by the car and you didn't want to, but you did it because what? Because he said so? Always. If he tell me go, it's a go. He have to tell me to stop for me to stop. That's what anything I like. Like once my brother get in my head, it's over with. It's the same thing with football. It's the same thing with life. Like when my brother in my head, I win. When I kick him out or when I try to do stuff my way, I don't win. That's as simple as I could put it. Let me say something to you. You have a relationship with Joe. I have a relationship with Bill. But also, I've learned so much from Bill Goble, but Bill's learned so much from Odell Cleveland. Amen. Joe, you've learned so much from Joe, but Joe has learned so much from you. I walk away from here saying, you are an ambassador, my friend. You are Appreciate an ambassador. It. And I can't wait to even 
your book. What's the title of your book again? And when will the book be coming out? If you need some help with the book, let the good looking black guy know. Help, help us about the book. Help us all with the book. I can tell you the title of the book is going to be Broken But Healed. And the release date is to be determined based upon the story still being written right now. It's not a finished product yet. A lot of people have asked me, you know, what's going to be in it? Who's going to be in it? You know, what, what is it, what is it going to entail? When is the release date? It's on God's time. Right now I'm going through a process of eliminating all distractions that hold me back from capturing the moments that are the most important to relay and convey in the book. And sometimes that can be hard, right? When you're going through, you know, your own internal changes and you're dealing with life as you know it, it's hard to pick up and start to predict things. Um, but I will say, like I said, um, in due time, it won't be long. <laughs> I won't keep the people waiting too long, but um, soon, soon come, soon come. Because soon come. my friend, your book is going to help save lives. Your book's going to help many people with mental, who's battling with mental health situations. But let's, let's close it like this. I'm going to ask my good friend, because, you know, Common Ground, we talk a lot about one's Black, one's white, one's a Republican, one's a Democrat, one's a good-looking Black guy, and the other one is the, the old guy who's trying to figure it out. The old guy who's trying to figure it out. I want to ask the old guy who's trying to figure it out to explain his relationship with this Black guy who he loves and respects and how he explains that relationship to his friends. And then I want to ask you to explain your relationship with Joe, because a lot of times, Richard, Black and white it's not that simple, but a lot of people don't understand that we all just people. So, right. yeah. So, Bill, do you mind explaining? And I've never asked Bill this before, but your relationship with Odell and how do you explain it? And then, Richard, your relationship with Joe and how you explain it. Bill? Well, I, I start off by saying I love to hang around good looking black men. <laughs> that usually starts the conversation and they immediately know it's Odell. So, <laughs> so. But no, seriously, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but not hard to explain. It, it, the, the, the bond is genuine. It's heartfelt. It's God-driven. And it's uh, supported by actions that we take with each other's relationship and our wives, our spouses, our families. You know, I'm part of Odell's family and he's part of mine. And so it, it's, it's, it's kind of like you and Joe a little bit. Uh, I don't know all, everything about you and Joe, but it sounds like it, that, you know, it's, it's transcended um, anything physical and it's, it's almost spiritual, mental and uh, God, God given. So that's, that's how I, I, I view my buddy. And uh, like you said, there's a few people you'd lay down on the road and Odell's one. If he called me in the middle of the night and said, I'm in South Carolina. I got a flat tire. He's done that, by the way. And uh, and I, I'd go get him. <laughs> you know what? I uh, I just I think that one day you, Joe, Odell, Bill, we, we all need to get together and just we just need to have a come to Jesus meeting. I think that's what needs to happen. 
from what I'm from what I'm gathering from this interaction that I'm having with you all. That's what I want. Okay. Out of the end of this. You got it. We need you to got do it. that. We'll break some bread and get to know each other face to face. Uh, yeah. That that would be a powerful session. But, well, you know, we're, we're doing this through Zoom now to get you here so you can see me, but I'm actually much better looking in person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the things that you said is relationships under the paw. I love that because even when you went to Boston College and you came down, and you all had to play Clemson and Death Valley. I've been on Clemson campus and I see those big paws everywhere and you got to you know, Rub Howard's Rock and, you know, running down the hill and the Tiger Pars everywhere. But this time, my friend, you were in the visitor's locker room. How did that mm -hmm. feel? Well, there's this thing called the jungle. And it felt like that's where I was, right? Like, you ever been to the Bible where Daniel goes into the lion's den and the only reason he comes out is because he has faith? Mm. It was familiar territory, but it was also uncharted territory for me now because I was coming in as an opposition into a place where I was familiar. So it didn't dawn on me that the environment can be overwhelming for those who have not been in it before and really know what it's all about and the different tactics used to distract you from your game. Right. Right. And all that hit me. I didn't realize how distracting everything around me was going to be that would take you away from being emotionally invested into playing a football game. And then you start thinking about your freshman year when you're walking down campus out of nowhere. You're like, why, why is that on my mind right now? Like when I signed here and it's like, you can't erase expensive pain. Mm. You can't erase deep scars, deep wounds, a place where you shed blood. It just don't happen that way. Right. That's how I felt. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. Uh, Richard, our time is closing out. Uh, we like to give our guests the last word. And, uh, and, and so we're going to give that to you before we close out. My last word would be gratitude. Be thankful and joyful because that's, those are the two things that equate to gratitude, knowing that joy cometh in the morning when you rise, even if you didn't have such a great day, knowing that whatever situation you're going through is only temporary because God is going to make a way, knowing that it's good to be grateful for good, but it's also good to be aware that you should be thankful for bad or what can be perceived as bad because bad can be those times where adversity hits. And I'm thankful for adversity because adversity introduces a man to himself. That's my time. I appreciate you guys. Amen. Wow. Richard, well you know, when we all get together on this side of heaven, Bill's going to wear his the Ohio State University garb that he wears all the time. I'll probably have on Go Cox stuff, and you will probably have on Clemson or Boston College, but we know what Joe's going to be wearing. What's Joe going to be wearing? What's Joe going to be wearing? Come on. Joe's going to be wearing his Clemson stuff off top, <laughs> off the top, off the top. I don't even got to, I don't even got to ask you. Joe going to have on his Clemson gear. He's going to be lined up, ready to run down the hill and get after some ass. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Amen. I tell you what. In the name of, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting, and, and we we'll pick on Joe a little bit, but I'm I'm glad that Joe. I had an opportunity to meet Joe. And first thing I want to do is introduce him to my my friend Bill. And now Joe wanted to introduce us to his friend Richard. And now Richard said we all need to get together. Richard, with your permission, with Bill, your permission, I would like to end this with a prayer. Uh, Richard, I'm old Geechee from Charleston, South Carolina, and we come from our ancestors were slaves. And we talk about a Geechee Gullah accent. So I'm going to end this prayer the way my wife's grandmother would pray and then i'll interpret it for the listening audience that may have never heard the show before because we have audiences coming just a lot and then i'll say the prayer again so i'll pray it like this you know what i done ya fa? i ain't got to tell ya. and what that means is she's saying lord you know why i'm down here on my knees i don't have to share that with you so Richard, my friend, until we meet again, Bill, my friend, we love you. And Joe, you're not here, but you're here in spirit. I say to us all, we know what you done, Yafa. I ain't got to tell ya. Amen. 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 Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved.